We are in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, as we continue our series called, How Do You Pray? How Do You Pray? And we simply asked this question a couple of weeks ago, where we said, if if we're going to start a new year, before we get too far down the road with a new focus or or a new uh, uh, teaching series, or or even for you and me to get down the road on the new things that we want to do this year, what if what if what if we started the new year by simply asking this question? What if we actually prioritized prayer in the middle of all that, and not even in the middle of it at the beginning of it? What if we made prayer? The first work that for many of us, if we grew up in a church, may have heard that phrase, prayer is the first work. What if we actually put that into practice and instead of doing a series on goals or a series on resolutions, we just did a series on prayer. And we look to God first and foremost in an attitude of prayer for the things that he may want to do in our hearts and in our lives this year. And so I simply ask this question, well, then, if that's what we're going to do, then how do we pray? How do we pray? And instead of looking at a posture of prayer, do we pray kneeling? Do we lay down? Do we stand up? Do we lift hands? Do we not lift hands? Do we go in a place? Do we not go in a place? Instead of a posture of prayer, and instead of a a pathway of prayer, right, um, um, sometimes people will say, you know, think of the word uh, from the Bible, the word acts, A-C-T-S, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? It's just a, a way to remember. So, but instead, of, I didn't really want to go down that road, like different styles of prayer. I just simply wanted to ask this question. If prayer supposed to be important, then how do we pray? How do we do it? Jesus was, was, was pretty helpful in this because the disciples asked him the exact same question. How do you pray? Lord, teach us to pray. And in the the gospel of Luke and and in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples and he says this, this is how you're supposed to pray. And in Matthew's gospel, he's had it, he has it on a mountainside where he's sitting with the 12, his 12 disciples, his, his followers, his, his, his group of people that were always with him that he was pouring into day after day and week after week. They were there with him. And, and, and not only were they there with him, but there were probably another 110, 115 people that followed him on the regular, uh, from town to town and village to village that were around him at that time too. But also, but also on that mountainside were, were people from the town that they all kind of filled in and gathered in as they heard that Jesus was there teaching. And so uh, they went out to hear what he was going to have to say. And in that setting, in that setting, it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 that, um, that, that we've come to know it and call it the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus gives us this directive of living, that this is how you should live in this world with your faith trying to 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 impact the world around. How do we live? How do we govern our lives? How do we move? How do we be people of faith? You and I would say it this way. How do we be Christians? How do we live as Christ followers in the world today? Jesus does a great job, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, to show this is what it means to live for God today. And it carries 2,000 years later. And in the middle of that, chapter 6, he says, well, this is how you should pray. And when you pray, you should do it this way. And over the last couple of weeks, we looked at 
we looked at our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's been the last two weeks. Now, I don't know how many of you are like, like me that when we go to prayer, though, oftentimes we just want to, like, get into it, right? Like, we don't, we, we say things like, we say things like, God, thank you for this day. I'm glad that we can be here. Now, here's what I need. Anybody pray like that? Here's what I need. Here's what I want. God, thank you for this day. And you can, like, it becomes rote, right? Like, so often, like, no matter where you are in different churches or different parts of the country, maybe it's just, uh, let's, let's pray, right? And the first thing, God, thank you for this day. That's not a bad, that's all good, all good. Thank you for this day. We're glad that we're here. Now, here's what I want, right? And we just get into, this is my need. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on. Can you meet me here, right? And he right says this. He says the danger in the prayer for bread, which is today's prayer. Today's prayer is give us this day our daily bread. So that the danger with the prayer for bread is that we get there too soon. We come to prayer with urgent needs or at least wants, and it's tempting to race through the Lord's prayer. There's a reason Jesus said, when you pray, this is how I want you to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is trying to change our perspective on prayer as we come to God. He's giving us a, a, uh, an outline of how we should approach God with prayer. Remember, we've said, we're not talking about the content of your prayer. Bring to God whatever you want. Bring to God whatever is your concern. We're not talking about the content of your prayer. We're not even measuring whether it's valid or not. I mean, if all of it's valid, we would say. We're not talking about the content. What we're talking about is your approach. And the funny thing is, is when we start to see the approach that Jesus invites us to take, it begins to change how we think about the things that we carry in our bucket of needs, in our bucket of concern. That when we start to pray our Father and we see God as a loving God who wants a, 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 a tender and, and intimate embrace, when we understand that God is sovereign, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that he is sovereign, that he is above all, that it puts us into a position of leaning into God and trusting God for the outcomes. See, there's a reason why we start the way we start, that Jesus encourages us to do that. Now, it doesn't, again, change the content of our prayer. It changes how we think about the content of our prayer as we bring it to God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Last week, we looked at, do we really want God's will? Do we really want God's will? Or we just want my will and we just kind of like, put good frosting on top of it and call it God's will. Which is it? And that, that really, like Jesus is really challenging us. He's like, hey, you got you to gotta figure out. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then we get to verse 11. We get to verse 11. And as John Stott writes, the possessive adjectives change. It's your will, your kingdom be done. And now it's give us this day, our daily bread. 
It goes from you, God, to us. Today we turn the corner. The first half of the, of the Lord's Prayer has all been about heaven and about who God is and, and remembering, remembering, not for his sake, for our sake. Remembering who it is we pray to. Remembering the power and the might and the majesty. Remembering the sovereignty of, of God. Remembering the creator and his love for creation. And as we pray that way, with our, with our bucket of needs, with our bucket of concerns and everything that keeps us up at night, we bring that and now we turn the corner and as we've prayed that, God's, God's intimacy, God's power, God's holiness, his will, not mine, now I come to prayer and now I come to this place where I ask God, help me. And so our scripture this morning, Matthew chapter 6, Verse 11, seven words. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. While there's a hallowedness and an awe that should be recognized in our prayers, God is also showing that our attention should be given to the fact that he loves his creation. God loves his creation. As we turn this corner, as we turn this this angle of the prayer upon the needs that we have, it should remind us that God intimately desires us to come to him with the needs that are in our heart. Not as a God who is distant, not as a God who is uncaring, not as a God who doesn't listen, not as a God who doesn't speak, but as a God who has this, again, intimate relationship driven home with us. We now say with our bucket of concerns, give us this day our daily bread. God, would you, would you meet our needs? Would you meet us where we are? Would you, would you take a look at what I've been carrying and hauling around day after day and week after week? God, would you look at this? And Jesus says, I want you to pray this way. I want you to turn your attention to this holy God. I want you to turn your attention to the creator of the universe. And I want you to say this, give us. Give us. Interesting word choice, isn't it? Give us. In the original language that it's written, it carries the idea of command. Think about that. How many of us would dare to stand before God and command God to do something? Anybody? Let me know who you are. I'm going to like not go home with you. Like how many of us would dare to stand before God and command God to do something, right? Although this is written with the idea of command, I don't think it's the idea of telling God he has to do something. I think it carries the idea of boldness. That we should approach God with boldness. It's written in the imperative, give us. Jesus is saying it. When you pray to God about the things that you have, he says, Jesus says, give us. So you can go to the Father in prayer. Hey God, Jesus said I could say this, so I'm just gonna say it, give me. This is my concern. Give me an answer about my new job. This is what's going on in my relationship. Give me an answer about the people that I'm, uh, the person that I'm dating or the people that I'm with. 
God, give me an answer. Give me direction. Give me guidance. Not like you owe it to me and not like I'm in charge. Different. Because you remember the first part of the verse? The first part of the prayer? This is why we can't forget it. It's why we can't forget Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, holiness, sovereignty. Your will, not my will. Right? So we have to remind ourselves that, that in this give us, I'm not commanding God. I'm just approaching him with boldness. And I'm willing to step out with that boldness. And I'm willing to say, God, not like you forgot, right? Not like you forgot. But remember, God, you, you said you could do this. You said, you said that you are the father of the children and you bring the children out of exile. You said that you would do that. You said that you can. And so I'm coming to you in prayer, not commanding you, but, but, and not reminding you. I'm saying it to remind myself as I approach you, give me this. You said you would. Now I'm, I'm trying to come boldly and say, give this to me. I think God desires a sense of boldness in our prayers, a sense of us coming to him and saying with, with, with a remembrance of who he is to give us the things that are concerning us. And again, as it's, as it's framed in the beginning part of the Lord's prayer, it all begins to make sense. It's not me trying to trump God. It's not me trying to have the power play, but it all kind of works together. As I understand his goodness, as I understand his strength, as I understand his sovereignty, I can confidently with boldness go before him and say, give me the answer. Give me the direction. Give me hope. Give me, give me the, the, what I need in this situation. Give me. Martin Luther said this. He said, don't be, do not be bashful before God. And do not think that, that what you ask is too big or too much. Don't be bashful. Like God, you probably don't look, listen, God, if you're not busy today, God, I've got this thing going on and I know you got a lot of things going on in the world. Very serious things. I know. Like, I just, but would you, like, don't be bashful. And also don't think like your, your thing is too big for God. God, I got this big thing going on. I don't know if you can handle it. You ever think that when you go to prayer? I don't know if God can handle this. Creator of the universe and my car won't start. I think he got it. I think we'll figure that out. He says, don't, don't be bashful before God. Do not think what you ask for is too big or too much. Come, come right out with it. Come right out with it. Even if all you have is bags full of need. I think Luther was listening to my messages. Bucket of concern, bag full of need, same thing. Bag full of needs. Out with everything. God is greater and more able and more willing than all of our transgressions. How many of us think, man, my life is so screwed up, God won't listen to me. God can't hear me. I think he's bigger than our sin. I think when we confess our sin before God and he is, he is right and just to forgive us, then he meets our need where we are. God asks us to pray with boldness. Jesus said, come to him with give us. And then he said this, 
He said, he said, give us this day. This day. When I was a youth pastor, uh, 1995, we were, um, uh, we, we were getting, we were on this, this student ministry trip to uh, every three years, the, the Alliance does a, a student ministry conference called the Life Conference. I'm sure many of us are familiar with that if you attended here for a while. In fact, last year, our students from FAC went, but in 95, I took a number of students from where I was at. And we were, we were there for four or five days, whatever it was. And, and um, it was the end, it was the end of the week. And um, we were getting ready to go into the, the session. And one of my students comes up to me. He had to be a sophomore in high school, I think. He came up to me. He's like, hey, Pastor Ben, it's like, I lost my wallet. I'm like, well, okay, what was, what was in it? Like, I had some money and my mom gave me some credit cards. Okay, so time out. Like, don't send credit cards with your students on a trip. Like, probably, like, not a good deal, right? So I'm like, all right, Tommy, all right, here's what we're, I'm like, man, I don't know. And, it, and again, it was the end of the week. And I, I say that because by the time you get to the end of the week with 5,000 students, like lost and found, there's a whole lot of lost and not a lot found. You know what I mean? It's like big piles, right? I'm like, I don't know, like, like let's, but make sure you call your mom. Like, call your mom right away. Let her know, and she can start canceling the whatever, right? And then let's go. You, I'm going to send you. Go ahead and check lost and found. And I said, but before we do that, I said, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Five thousand students at the end of the week, six o'clock at night, and again, like end of the week. I mean, like we're leaving the next day. the session is over and it's a couple hours later and we're just about to walk into the concert part. And, um, he comes up to me and he says, Hey, Pastor Ben, found my wallet. Somebody found it and brought it to lost and found. On that day, Tommy needed his wallet. That's all he needed. That's all he wanted that day. His bucket of concern was his wallet. He's a sophomore in high school. Doesn't know what mom's going to do. That day, that day, that moment, he needed his wallet. It wasn't earth shattering. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't life altering for the 5,000 students that were there. But I'll tell you this. In the years that followed to this day, whenever we see each other, more often than not, Tommy will look at me and he say, you remember when I lost my wallet at life? And we prayed about it? And I found it? Not life-altering to 5,000 students, but life-altering to one kid who suddenly realized there's nothing too small to take before God. Who suddenly realized that what I need today What I need today, I can take to God. A kid who realized that this day, God meets the needs that I have. This day. Too often, I think, we're worried about tomorrow. Too often, we're worried about what's going to happen down the road. Too often, we're worried about praying about what's happening a month from now. And those, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about that. I'm just saying, I think in perspective, Jesus is calling us to be present in the moment. 
that when you pray, be present in the moment. Today, what do you need today? Well, I got this thing coming up next week. Good, we're going we're gonna to cover that. Here's what, what do you need today? Today where you are. About that, let's put it this way. About that thing that you're praying about next week, where are you right now with it? Does that make sense? Where are you right now with it? Anxiety, fear, depression, desperate. That thing that's coming up. Yeah, we'll, we'll pray that, but where are you today with it? Give us this day. Didn't Jesus say something about tomorrow and prayer and worry and anxiety? It's a leading question. Yes, he did. In fact, it's in this very same context. It's just a few verses later, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It says this, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. Man, don't borrow tomorrow's trouble. There's enough trouble today. I'm going to go out to the car. I hope I get home. I don't need to worry about my going to work tomorrow. I want to get home today. Don't borrow tomorrow's trouble. Think about that. Now, here's the thing about the past, too. We can learn from the past, but don't live in the past. Don't live in your regrets. Learn from it, but don't live there. Live in the present. Jesus says, when you pray with your bag and bucket of concerns, when you pray, pray this way. Give us with boldness this day, live in the present. This is what I need today. The third thing that Jesus told us to pray was this. Here's how that ends. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting image that Jesus pulls out. Throughout scripture, bread uh, it resembles the, uh, the daily needs that we have. It's an image, it's a metaphor that Jesus and, and God and the writers of the Old Testament, the New Testament continue to, to share with us to show us how God is concerned about the, the, the daily needs of his people. That God will give you this day your daily bread. The thing that you need to survive. What was bread? What was, what's bread for all of us, right? The thing that we need, the thing that gives us nourishment, the thing that sustains us, the thing that fulfills us, right? We can go on and on and on with the analogy. And we understand it. That the, I need, I need bread in my life to fill me and sustain me and to, to support me, to give me nourishment and to give me energy. And Jesus is saying, with your bucket of concerns and the things that you bring, here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray with confidence that God is going to meet you where you are. He's going to give you the bread for today. He's going to give you the, what you need to sustain you today. He's going to fill you today. God will sustain you. God will fulfill you. God will take care of you. Physically and spiritually. Physically, in the, in the sense that we see Jesus using this metaphor uh, time and again. He uses it right here in this, in this prayer. But then where else does he use it? And you think about the story of the feeding of the 5,000, right? The miracle. He uses it in the miracle. Jesus feeds 5,000 people, right? With a McDonald's fish and chips meal, Right? He takes, he takes some fish and he takes some bread and he feeds the people that are there. He does it in a prayer. He does it 
in a miracle. And then after the miracle, he uses the analogy to show them. And he says, I am the bread of life. To show them that I am everything that you need. We can have confidence in Christ because he is the one that fulfills us. And I got to wonder, I got to wonder, again, the 12 disciples, 120 followers that came around him more often than not, and then a, a hillside of people that he didn't know from that town. A lot of people, a lot of people listening to this message, right? I wonder who the kid was that was sitting in the crowd that went to Awana and was like, I know that one. I, hang on. I know that. Say that again. Give us this day our what? Daily bread? I know that one. And you got to think there's some kid jumping up in the back. I got it. I got it. Hey, I remember that. You know where I remember that? Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather how much? A day's portion. Do you see it? Therefore, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. And I'm going to give you a day's portion. Actually, he gives us more. But what does he ask us to do? To gather a day's portion, right? That I may test them. Well, what do you mean about the test? How many of you, us, we, how many of us, if there was like an abundance would have gathered more than we needed for the day? Right? Anybody? Clay and I are getting more. Tim's getting more. We're getting more, right? Because we think that's a good thing, right? Hey, God's blessing. I'm just going to, I'm going to take what I need for today. I'm going to take a little bit of extra for tomorrow. What are we saying when we do that? I'm not sure I can trust God tomorrow. So I'm going to borrow from tomorrow and bring it into today just in case. And what does God say? Mm, Bad plan. Bad plan. I need you to trust me every day. God rained down bread from heaven. In the Old Testament, in the story, this comes from the story of Israel leaving Egypt their exile and going into the promised land, right? And they're in the middle of the desert and they're kind of hungry on the journey. And they're like, Moses, you delivered us. Like God delivered us, but we're getting kind of hungry here. And God says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. It's called manna in the Old Testament, right? And it says that God will give us what we need and that we are to gather what we need for today, the daily bread. And here's the thing. How often did the manna rain down? Every day. Every day. You could count on it. Gee, I wonder what God is trying to tell us that we can count on him. That as we move in our lives, you and me, from exile to promise, and we're in the middle of the moving from exile to promise. We're in the middle of that growing and trying to understand and trying to get there and trying to follow God well. In the middle of that, God will give us everything that we need for the day. Now, you and I won't say it that way. We won't say God's moving us from exile to promise. We'll say it this way. 
God, I've got this sin in my life and I'm trying to get over it to, to something better that you have for me. And as I'm walking away from that sin and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm challenged every day, can you help me in this? And God says, I'm enough for you each day. I will sustain you. I will fill you. See, we won't say exile. We'll say things like addiction. God, I, I got to get rid of this addiction. I got to get, but it's really kept us in spiritual exile, hasn't it? And God is saying, when you are free, I want to deliver you from that exile to a better promise. And along the way, I will fulfill your every need. Each day, each day. N.T. Wright reminds us that just as God wants to hear us and meet our daily needs, Jesus is reminding us of the rescuing nature of God. Give us this day our daily bread. Should have sent something off in some of the minds of the people that day who would have remembered the teaching of their heritage that said God delivers us and gives us daily the bread from heaven that we need. He will sustain you. He will fulfill you. And in the middle ground, when we're wandering through this journey and we're tempted to go this way and we're tempted to go back to other ways and we're tempted to live in lifestyles that, that, that don't honor God, he reminds us, I am sufficient for you. I'm all you need. Jesus personalized it. I am the bread of life. And then when we came, when we come to communion every month, Jesus took the bread. He broke it. And what did he say? This bread represents my body. He inserts himself as the bread. Don't rush over this verse too quickly. Don't rush through this verse to just empty our bucket of need. But slow down through it. And this week I pray that we would pray it this way, that we would pray, give us with boldness. This day in the present, our daily bread, the confidence that he will meet you right where you are. I don't know what your bucket is. I don't know what your concerns. I'll tell you this, they're valid. They're fine. They're true. They're yours. I'm just asking, can we change the perspective by which, by which we come to God in prayer with them? And maybe along the way, God will tell us something about the things that we're praying. I don't know. But here's what I know, that he's sovereign. And it's better to desire his will than ours. Martin Luther continued his previous thought and he says this. He says, do not dribble your requests before him. God is not a man who you can 
overburden with your begging and asking. The more you ask, the happier he is to hear. The more you ask, the happier he is to hear. You ever have somebody in your life you love so much and now they've, they've gone on and you say to yourself, what I wouldn't give to have one more conversation. Think about that with God's perspective. He's a father who's begging for us to talk to him. You have kids that have moved away. Would you love it when they call? Well, most of the time. But you always love it when they call, content of the call, you know, who knows. You want to hear from them? Here, Luther's saying it right there. God is not a man who you can overburden with your begging and asking. The more you ask, the happier he is to hear you. Here, only pour it all out. Only pour it all out. Doesn't that, doesn't that kind of like, like you ever think like Luther was like sitting back there with his with his ninety five Reeses and like just like what can I what that was a joke by the way Reeses cups and he's saying would you pour it all out isn't he trying to challenge us pour it all out don't hold back don't hold back pour it all out that he would flood you with a veritable deluge in answering you. This week, that's my prayer for you. That you would take the things that you carry, pray with boldness, be present in the moment with them, and pray with confidence that God will answer, that God will be enough, that God will answer your need, not necessarily our want. That's a different sermon, but he meets our need. Will you stand with me? Once again, considering the concerns that you have, the bucket of concerns, the bags full of need, let us pray. Father, would you take what is in our hand and allow us to release it to you. Allow us to, to pour it all out to you and say, this is where I am. This is what I think about it. This is where I'm, I'm unsure. This is where I'm confident. This is where I need answers. This, God, this is where I'm at. And God, would you meet us? Would you help us to pray with boldness, remembering that you are a God who has power, but also remembering that you are sovereign. Would you help us to pour it all out in the present that you would give us clarity for today and that we would pray confidently knowing that you will, you will want and bring the best for us. And we just need to lean into that. For some of us, God, we need to say, forgive us for our sin. Help us to lean into you, that you would lead our lives and, and we would trust you. And some of us need to say, God, I, I, I just don't know how anymore. 
And in our vulnerability, we pray that you would give us strength. Help us this week to pray as you asked us to. Give us this day our daily bread. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.